gonna have to pee which i almost just want to go pee in the grass outside and <laughs> i know i'm being recorded when i say that <laughs> do it i don't think anybody would object welcome to cancer for breakfast with amy and steph i'm amy and i'm steph try to make cancer for breakfast safe and comfortable for everyone, it may not be suitable for all audiences and is intended for informational and educational purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors. We didn't even go to podcasting school. <laughs> for breakfast that's the name of our podcast how's it going it's going great i am sitting across from you in a recording studio it's so fun it's super fun i wonder if we sound really good we must i feel really confident i'm this is what the third time we've tried to record something together in the, the same room in the same room Wait, when was the second time radio station was one my car the first time oh, we met. God. Yeah, that was literally mm-hmm. So third time's the charm. This is gonna be the one. Yeah, we're in Battleground, Washington in a wonderful recording studio. Yeah. Um, thank you to Brent Asbury for letting us Yeah. Rock this. And my children are watching a movie with your child. They're watching Cinderella. Cinderella, Cinderella. <laughs> Very cute. It really is. Um, but yeah, welcome. We've got a lot to talk about today. We do. We're going to talk about milestones. Yeah. And an update on our campaign called Screaming for Screening. Yes. Um, let's start with that because October is a coming. And as we all know, everything's going to be pink. It's Breast Cancer Awareness motherfucking month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of thinking this is a really great time for all of us to be heard. Right. Because it's the time of the year when people's employers start asking for donations to the American Cancer Society and Susan G. Komen and their fun runs and 5Ks and all of that kind of shit. Mm -hmm. Raising money for these organizations that it turns out don't really represent our best interest. Yeah. And just like so, so quickly, this is all coming about because not even recently, but like what, 2019, the American Cancer Society decides to advise um, human beings to no longer do self breast exams, to no longer have clinicians do clinical breast exams on your annual appointments and to no longer recommend that anybody under the age of 45 get mammograms where before it was always 40. Right. Yeah. And this is for people of average risk who are not a small percentage of people who end up getting breast cancer under the age of 40. Two of the people in this recording studio right now. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, And it's just so wild that we've come so far in these screening routines, people have bought into them. We mm-hmm. all know that you go 
every year you get your pap smear, you get your breasts felt, and you move on with your life. Mm-hmm. Or you go further in the diagnostic process if there's something suspicious happening in your body. And yeah. Apparently, the reason that they have made these new recommendations, which we've talked about on another episode, but... There's a whole episode called Screaming for Screening. Right. Go prefer to that. But um, their justification mainly is that these screening measures did not lower the mortality rate mm-hmm. overall. They didn't take into account that people diagnosed with breast cancer who recur may have been given 40 years in between those incidents Mm -hmm. of breast cancer. And so it's just, um, it's, in my opinion, really irresponsible of them. Um, I think that they are driven by some really poor studies that are Mm -hmm. totally lacking in nuance. I think that there's obviously a huge part of this that's because of insurance companies. Totally. And so we got really fired up about it, and um, we started this campaign. And um, the hashtag is screening for screaming. But it's not that. It's not that at all. But (laughs) but we could change it. I mean, it's not too late. We could absolutely change it. (laughs) Hashtag is screaming for screening. (sighs) And um, yeah, we've started collecting people's stories on our website. We've got some fast facts listed um, mm-hmm. if you just go to cancerforbreakfast.com we've got sort of the rundown there with the s- stories and personal anecdotes that people have really generously shared with us yeah and it's been really amazing watching the Instagram community Instagram Jesus Instagrams. people Instagram cancer community really start talking about this more like once we kind of started screaming for screening <laughs> it's really grown exponentially like i see people sharing things that aren't using our hashtag but clearly heard about it from someone who heard about it from yeah. someone who posted about it that they don't they may have never even heard about this podcast or screaming for screening but it's getting around everyone's pissed right. everyone's wondering what to do it's ripe for some activism folks it is and it, you know we've got the ball rolling we actually are going to put a link for the petition that we started mm-hmm. um, through change.org in our show notes yeah and we just want to be able to fire at these organizations from all sides um amy you had a really good idea about joining cancer facebook groups oh yes so I actually came across some targeted ad or whatever for October raising money for the ACA S. S. Oh my god, I just said that and made the weirdest face like who am I? What is this? Um very knowledgeable. Um it's like do some challenge like run 38 miles in the month of October and raise money or something and immediately I clicked join the group and then they said give us your email address and I said oh I'll give you my email address but my plan and I think everyone listening just get in these Facebook groups so now I'm in some Facebook group for this October challenge and I'm going to post some questions for these motherfuckers in there that they can decide to either delete in which case 
that in itself yeah is saying something or leave it up there where everybody else who hasn't heard about this who has some skin in the game will be seeing this and then they could you know be brought on board for this as well to add pressure so if everybody will please join any group you see any fundraising tactic especially if it's being put on by the american cancer society like with that little what's it called when you have the little check mark next to your account name verified those verified motherfuckers get in there anything that they're doing and then we're gonna share things that you can just copy and paste to say in there you know Yeah, and it's just really unfortunate, I think, that they have not been willing to interact with us. You know, we've tried tweeting at them, we've sent them messages um, and DMs and stuff, and they just aren't willing to talk to actual breast cancer patients. Dude. But they do follow the Kardashians. Let me look up who these fucking people follow. Um, You know, I was just curious, like, who that we follow is followed by them and who, you know, that we could maybe see if they'd listen to them or whatever. But as I look on their follow thing, I just, like, I don't get it. There's such a ripe cancer community it's active everyone's supporting each other following each other talking super real life like and they don't follow any of them they only follow 291 people which is like why yeah and then they have 151,000 followers here are the people that they're following it's like okay family feud abc okay what yeah it's so many like that that it's ridiculous let me see. Oh, the Rachel Lindsay, who was a wonderful bachelorette. I enjoyed her <laughs> season. Um, there's nothing wrong with her. But, like, you're following an old bachelorette. I mean, not, like, old. She's still relevant. <laughs> and, yeah, like, all those Kardashians, they follow, like, one of the Kardashians, like, brands that they have, too. Like, E! News? Like, why, dude? I'm just, like, so annoyed. It's really messed up. And I think, you know, both of us have worked in content creating. Both of us have had social media jobs. Both of us are pretty savvy when it comes to stuff like outreach and things like that. And it is mind-blowing to me that we have this organization that makes the decisions for the way that we access healthcare in this country and they are so out of touch with what is actually going on with people they are not utilizing social media in any helpful way they're just reposting like these bullshit graphics instead of listening to our really valid concerns so um, like Amy said we're going to be putting a list of scripts on our website we're going to have those available for you to just copy and paste um, if any of you did any sort of political activism in any of the elections or anything like that you'll be familiar with it it's just like, sort of a thing that you can use to phone the ACS and the National Institute of Health to leave a message just reading the script it's something you can send by email or DM through Twitter through Facebook through Instagram And I just want them to know that we're not idiots and we will not stand for them curtailing our chances at long-term survival. Like, it's unconscionable to me. And it's not just a group that is saying 
wrong things or things that we disagree with. Mm-hmm. It's that insurance companies in this country base their coverage on what these recommendations are. Yeah. And so people have a shit time trying to get mammograms covered if they aren't high risk. And that means that you could be hung out to dry if you've got a lump that you think needs further exploration. Yeah. You're at the mercy of your doctor, the radiologist, and your insurance company. Mm-hmm. It's, it really is maddening. And so check out our website, follow us on Instagram, and use that hashtag so that it comes up if they ever actually decide to look at any of our messages. Yeah. And send us your stories about your diagnosis. If you found your lump through a breast self-exam, if your doctor Mm -hmm. found a lump or enlarged lymph nodes or something through a clinical exam, if you started mammograms at, you know, 35 electively, if you started getting mammograms at 40 and that's how you're cancer was diagnosed we want to hear from you because these are the stories that actually matter in changing their minds absolutely um i do want to say that i have been so happy to see so many breast clinics and hospitals not taking on all of those recommendations and mentioning it too like when you get a letter saying it's time for you to come in for your mammogram it will say the recommendations have changed to blah 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 um however we believe that early detection is key and da 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 da, da yeah. and we still are recommending that you do this and that so for all of the clinics that are doing that fuck yeah however one part of screaming for screening that i also want to put out there is having a template that people can copy and paste into an email to their breast clinic or their hospital Telling them why they think that they should not listen to. And their family practitioners, too. I have heard from so many friends who said, um, my doctor told me that I don't need to do self-exams anymore. I don't get my breasts checked at a physical anymore. And I think that if your doctor is refusing to do a clinical breast exam at your annual physical, Mm -hmm. um, why are you paying them? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I Exactly. I don't understand it. Um, we know that screening has lowered the incidence of death from other cancers. That's why we get pap smears. It's not because they're fun. Mm-hmm. Um, cervical cancer rates have uh, declined. Death from cervical cancer has declined because we are able to find precancerous cells. We're able to get an early diagnosis. And we just talked about this in a rats a few episodes ago. But rectal cancers and anal cancers are seeing a similar decline because of regular screening. So when you have a practice that works, as in routine screening, just fucking keep doing it. Absolutely. And if something is not working... How about we just address the part that's not working about it, right? Right. Because it's saving lives. We know that. If it's worrying people because of false positives, let's figure out why all these false um, 
unnecessary scans are happening for people who have very normal lumpy boobs. So let's figure out how to educate people with boobs about what lumpy boobs feel like and what is normal because everyone just hears lump, 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 lump. They don't know. Like, right. If it's hard and immobile, that's something you want to look for. Like getting down to actual specifics about what to look for and also what normal lumps feel like about this is a lobe, this is a duct, this is how things in your boobs feel. You know, I'm just now figuring all of that out. Yeah. (laughs) So that I can not have a heart attack every time I feel a lump because I have lumpy boobs, apparently. Well, yeah. And we have all of these amazing technological tools like ultrasound Mm -hmm. and if you have dense breasts and you know you have dense breasts why can't you just get kicked onto the ultrasound path instead of having to go through these mammograms that maybe are are turning up suspicious areas that aren't actually suspicious Mm -hmm. you know i mean i feel like there's just so much there's there's a better approach than just saying we're throwing all of these screening tools out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we're so fired yeah. up about it. Another thing, if you're so worried that people are going to be so scared and traumatized after they have to wait a week for results, which fucking sucks, clearly, but then they find out they don't have cancer, that stress is not worth having them get tested because they don't want to get stressed. How about we make it very clear to these people not to get too stressed? Like, hey, listen, this is very, very routine. You know, however much the percentage is of actually getting called back versus actually having cancer, like making it very, very clear to help lower that stress. It doesn't mean don't fucking do it, you know? Right. And it just... I... When I was in the process of getting diagnosed, you know, when I found the lump, I talked to so many of my friends who were like, oh, yeah, I have have a biopsy. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it was no big deal. You know, they're not like, it was the worst day of my life. You know, it's like, I had a biopsy. I got over it. You know, I don't hear people with medical PTSD because they had a biopsy that turned out to be nothing. Right. Like, it's disingenuous, I think. Um, they don't care about medically traumatizing people in any other case that I've ever heard of. So, yeah. I mean, it's just their unwillingness to educate people about their own bodies in service of longevity is like wild to me. Yeah. So it's just weird that it's coming from them. Like they're supposed to be like the best interest of health longevity, getting rid of cancer, curative, right. uh, investigating, like, ways to improve. And this is clearly not one. It would be like if the Olympics was sponsoring a thing saying that they, there shouldn't be sports in elementary school, because if if you're going to become an Olympic athlete, you're going to, like, be drawn to running at home anyway and you're going to go right. on to do it anyway so why have sports in school or something where you're like what because the fuck are you talking about this most of kids are going to be disappointed that they can't be olympians yeah so why right? bother? Mo- yeah. yeah so why even do it you know i mean that would never happen but it's just <laughs> i just don't know anyways so that's us just 
you know, screaming for screening for a little update there. Yeah. So, um, again, just check the website for templates to come. We've got stories. If you want to add yours, please send it in and tell your healthcare providers about this. If they haven't heard about it, tell them that you want to be screened. Keep yeah. doing breast self exams. Yeah. And don't stress out about it. I mean, there are so many things that we do that are screening tools. We take our own temperatures when we don't feel well. You know, all of these things are small improvements in our day to day lives that keep things from getting worse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's no reason to pretend like you don't have a body. <laughs> because having a body is stressful. Wait, we can pretend we don't have bodies? <laughs> Sign me up. Um, so we did want to talk a little bit more about milestones this episode, too. We touched on that a little bit last episode because it was Steph's forgotten by me. Cancerversary. I knew it was right around then. I just forgot the exact day like a jerk. Um, but, you know... I just had a birthday last week. Mm-hmm. Steph is having her birthday next week. That's right. And it's coinciding with your diagnosis. Yeah. Cancerversary. It is. And it's so weird. You know, I was turning 40 in a pandemic, which already sucked. And I love my birthday. I usually celebrate my birthday for the whole month of September. I have so many Virgo friends, and so it's always been just like a month-long celebration of all the people that I love, and especially all of my female friendships, and um, it just sucked so bad to have that taken away from Mm me the year that I was turning 40, which is supposed to be, you know, a milestone birthday. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's really interesting to see how many people have that same experience because we know you start getting mammograms at 40. And so, mm-hmm. so many people I have heard have made those appointments and then find that they have breast cancer and it's yeah. all happening right around their 40th birthday. And so it seems like a really weirdly common thing to have your 40th birthday fucked up by breast cancer. Totally. Yeah. It's also like, welcome to adulthood, bitch. Right? You know? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> I liked my 30s, though. But so, I mean, it happens to so many people, especially when you're talking about like adult and or young adult, adolescent cancer people, when they're getting diagnosed, you know, in their early 20s, mid 20s, these are times when you're graduating from high school, graduating from college, you know, Mm -hmm. you're getting your first buy, maybe you're buying your first home. Like all of these really amazing milestones are getting like tarnished by, or something really, really bad is already happening or is about to happen. That is not cancer related. Like our lives don't just stop. You know, we're not these like one dimensional beings. So it is really crazy when, you know, people get divorced, like, after being diagnosed with cancer. I hear about that all the time. Or, you know, there's a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. The divorce thing is so interesting to me because I totally see it. And I, I am not somebody who sees divorce as like a universal bad thing. Mm -hmm. It's super freeing for a lot of people. But I do know that a lot of folks realize their spouse is not going to be there for them Mm -hmm. and they're reacting shittily. They're not being supportive. They're not showing up and they're just kind of like, fuck this, you know? Right. 
I think I read somewhere that even though I think it seems like everybody gets divorced, <laughs> <laughs> like statistically, the divorce rate isn't actually higher for people. It's like the same as yeah. just the average somehow. But I do think that like in most cases of really big things happening, don't people just stay together during that normally? Well, yeah, I I think that that's almost sadder to me because you have support groups in my experience on social media are often flooded with questions from particularly women about like their spouses not showing up for them in the way that they want them to but then they're stuck you know like a lot of them need their husbands for health insurance or whatever Mm -hmm. or they don't feel like having cancer is the time to strike out on your own like how am I going to be a single mom or whatever and so it does make me sad to know kind of that people are struggling through cancer diagnosis and treatment with people that are not uh, as supportive as they deserve god it's just like a tornado through your life and then an earthquake yeah you know it's really crazy I do feel like people make very big I mean we've talked about this before but just big life changes once yeah. you know you get those those cancer glasses on and everything gets into focus and yeah you know maybe you leave your shitty spouse because you realize life's too short yeah but I do find it just so fascinating all the job changes and the people move people just yeah realign fascinating should I read a letter I would love for you to read a letter what is so interesting is I texted Steph maybe a week ago and I said hey next episode should we just focus on milestones you know my birthday your birthday your cancerversary I feel like it's just such a big weird thing and you were like yes let's do it and then the next morning we wake up and this woman named Katie had posted that morning in our um crying in my nightgown Facebook group. It's for Cancer for Breakfast listeners with cancer. And she wrote, Hey friends, big week coming up for me. It is my first birthday post-cancer diagnosis on Wednesday. I'll be turning 31. I've been through six rounds of TCHP chemo, three rounds of Herceptin only, a double mastectomy, COVID, colitis, aceroma, an infection, six rounds so far of Katsila, and 28 rounds of radiation. I keep finding myself randomly crying this past week because I genuinely thought 11 months ago when I was diagnosed that I didn't think I was going to make it to my next birthday. I just feel so incredibly lucky to be here and have the support system I do. It's like once your active treatment ends, your emotions finally have a chance to catch up with you. And I'm just, woo, it's a lot. It's like, holy shit, I had fucking cancer. Like, what actually happened to me? Anyway, I have my bachelorette party next weekend and can't wait to celebrate another thing with my closest friends. And we finally get to have our long overdue wedding party finally in October. We got married in a micro ceremony just two weeks after my first chemo infusion because I just didn't want to wait any longer to call him my husband. See, people do this. They make yeah, these decisions, right? right? Um, in sickness and in health and all of that. 
in sickness and in health and all that lol but i'm just so excited to finally be able to celebrate and celebrate in a big way just wanted to share that there are brighter days ahead you may get stuck in the monotony of treatment but things will get better love to you all P.S. I love making breasty friends. So if anyone wants to follow me on Instagram, I'm at Katie, K-A-T-I-E, my lady, two, three. And she said we could use that as a letter on the yeah. show. And then I just freaked out when I saw that that morning. I was like, I did a screenshot of our yeah, text. And like, we're just, we're saying we were going to ask people for letters about this. And now we have one. Yeah. Oh, it makes me so happy to see people coming out of the other side of that, like, grief spiral. Yes. Whether you ever get done with treatment or not, you know, those beginning days are so dark. So dark. And to come out of it being like, oh, fuck, what just happened? Even if it's still happening. Right. You do get into that routine and the monotony sucks, but it's also kind of comforting, you know, but then when you're able to find those bright spots and celebrate things and yeah. share them with your friends and family and everybody's not looking at you like you're about to drop dead. Mm-hmm. And that whole like 11 months ago thinking she'd be dead. You yeah. Know? I think that every person diagnosed with cancer can completely identify with having those dark thoughts and knowing like feeling like you know deep down that that is going to happen and I feel like for me picturing in my mind like my place in relation to other people in my life and what they had going on too you know Mm -hmm. and picturing how I wasn't going to be there in time for XYZ like in time for Josie to start talking yeah i don't think i've mentioned this have i mentioned i must have been just a few months into my diagnosis and we were at like some pet store looking at kittens and cats Mm -hmm. and then there was this little girl have i talked about no i don't think so um josie was like not i mean she would say little words here and there and repeat Mm -hmm. things you know but you know she was like a year and a half or something like that and you know still very babyish and there was maybe a four-year-old looking at these cats with her grandma and then the mama cat did that thing where she just stood with her four paws down on the ground and then she stood up and curved her back really tall up kind of like almost like a halloween silhouette that you see where the cat's (laughs) back is like arched up and then the little girl said, oh, look, Grandma, that cat is all out of shape. <laughs> and then, like, did the, just, like, those cute kid mess yeah. ups, right? And then, like, being the grandma, I just started laughing, you know, where she was just like, that cat is so out of shape. <laughs> and, like, thinking that that's what that means, you know. She just had babies. Give her a break. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. It was great. But then I just remember kind of, like, being there, holding my kid, and, like, as I was walking off through the pet store to find the cat food or whatnot for my awful cat being like I don't know if I'm going to get to hear that from my kid yeah. like when she, I don't know if I'm going to be here for her not to be a baby to, I want to hear her say these things yep. and like what the fuck dude Yeah, you know and so now when she says these like hilarious things because she can talk as well as I can which is very well <laughs> um, I just feel just so much gratitude that i get to yeah see that stuff and 
it gets talked about in metastatic circles all the time. The math that you do, mm-hmm. like if I can live for 10 years, then my kid will be, you know, 16. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's terrifying. Like, why do we do it to ourselves? I don't know. Because it's always demoralizing. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's no never good like, answer. Right. There, you're never like, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> but um, it is. It's all about hitting those milestones and like these cultural touch points that we have that really define our lives and wanting to get to them. Mm-hmm. Because you can imagine those, you know, especially if you haven't experienced them yet, you can't imagine like the funny things that Josie's going to mm-hmm. say, but you can't imagine her first day of school because you know what a first day of school looks yeah. like. And you can imagine, you know, teaching her how to drive and school dances or, you know, like mm-hmm. whatever, just all of these things and doing that mental math to see like how long you have to live to get to those milestones mm-hmm. is so shitty and scary um, and it's just like the dumb thing that cancer makes you do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think too about milestones with cancer as far as um, ringing the bell. Yes. And whether or not you choose to ring the bell and that as a milestone when we know like recurrence rates are what they are. Mm-hmm. And um, I know a lot of people see that as sort of toxic positivity mm-hmm. um, especially when you're in like a chemo or radiation area with people who will never be off treatment right um, but then some people really rejoice in that moment and live for ringing that bell yeah it's a very personal thing and it's I like when I see people have their own celebrations afterwards at home with yeah. their own bell that somebody brings them if that's an important thing. And I think it's nice when people choose not to do it at the hospital, just out of respect for the people that at this point, it looks like we'll never get to ring that bell. But I also get that everyone's experience is their own. And I don't know. It's complicated, though. One thing I love to see is people's cancer tattoos. Yeah. Like the tattoos that they got when they finished treatment oh, or yeah. on the anniversary or whatever. My friend Stacy has a really beautiful bird tattoo mm-hmm. and like um, the bird has a pink ribbon that's kind of like unfurling in its beak or claws or I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but it's a very tasteful, very beautiful tattoo. And it's clear that it means so much to her. And mm-hmm. um, that is a really cool way, I think, to celebrate a milestone with something that's beautiful, that can kind of take away all the ugliness that you went through and yeah, and um, a treat, you know, something totally. that you get to live with for the rest of your life. Many of us have these matching radiation tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> all of us... I'm lucky enough. These three dots that I'll always have. You seen this beautiful thing now that we're in the same room? Look at that. Yeah. Any low cut shirt. I have this dot. What is actually weird? Let's talk about the goddamn tattoo dots they give you. I have two down here too. Do you ever think about getting something done with them? <sighs> these are my only tattoos. I don't have any yeah. tattoos. I just think I won't like something enough to. I'm just. I'm bad at picking stuff and... It would be hard for that that to be your first tattoo also. It's not very posy. 
But I do think it would be really funny the next time if you if you have radiation in your treatment lineup, and you know these kind-hearted friends offer sometimes to shave their heads with you if you have chemo, <laughs> I think you should absolutely say, you know, what would actually make me feel better is if you would get three dots tattooed to yes. you unevenly on your body in weird spots. I could go for that. Mm. I am not that into the head shaving thing, but I could I could get into the dot <laughs> tattoos. <laughs> oh, they're very now. It's very minimalist. Very now. It's not your radiation tattoos. It's your minimalist <laughs> fashion yes. tattoos. I actually, I have a friend who, maybe I'll do this. I have a friend who's a tattoo artist and her mom actually passed from breast cancer when she was younger. And I wrote her saying, could you just tattoo like skin colored ink over this dot in between my boobs? And she's like, that's not how tattoos work. You are so dumb. <laughs> And then she said, what I might be able to do is like very slowly, you'd have to come in many times, but inject like, I think like saline underneath it that would eventually like kind of break down the ink in that dot so that it would kind of like absorb itself. And she's like, I don't know, this would kind of be experimenting, but maybe we just invented a new business. Are you aware that tattoo removal is already an existing business? Is that how they do it? I don't think so. Well, I mean, I don't... <laughs> I think it already... I think they oh, do it with lasers. Yeah, I don't care enough to actually do something like that, you know. You will go through several appointments with an experimental saline <laughs> injection. <laughs> Are you yes. a COVID I denialist? Know, that's what I was just reminding me of. I won't touch your vaccine, <laughs> but I'll snort horse manure <laughs> drops. But come see me at this hot dog eating contest. <laughs> I like how we both put on Southern accents to be COVID deniers. Sorry, Southerners. Oh, my pleasure. Um, yeah. Anyway, we're getting a little sidetracked here, but we are. But what are you gonna do? Um, can we also talk about that new podcast that's very good? Yeah, I um I really love finding cool other cancer podcasts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's called the Cancer Pod, folks. This other cancer podcast, yeah, that we've been listening to. It's new. It's brand new, and I was really stoked when I saw it suggested to us on Instagram. Um, so I just smashed that like button, as the children say, smash like and subscribe, and. They have a really cool slant. Their names are Leah and Tina. Mm-hmm. And are they naturopaths? They are both naturopathic doctors. That's so and cool. And one is a breast cancer survivor. But they're not like two woo-woo wackadoo. Oh, no. They're very like... Science-based. Science-based, like, yes. Not that I don't like woo. I oh, kind right. of do. No, their they're podcast... I've only listened to the first episode, if I must tell you. And there, I think, what do they have? Two out? Three, Three or out? something? Yeah, I think. Um, it's very medical. Like, they have the facts. They have the news. They have the shoes. <laughs> do they have the booze? Um, they no. would probably tell us not to drink. I think so. That's all right. But this isn't, like, paid or anything. We just found it and liked it and wanted to shout them out. Yeah. If you like this, you'd probably like that. Yeah. If you like this, you probably like that. If you like this, you probably like that. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? Cancer podcast fucking sucks. 
I'm just kidding. I would <laughs> It's like Amy, don't do it. I just looked at your face. I do know. Like, (laughs) I like all the ones that we follow on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks, Cancer. In fact, Mm -hmm. gave me the idea for this little ditty. What little ditty? Called rats. (gasps) Oh, ooh. Let's hear it. Cancer is really cool on Twitter. You guys should do it too. And they posted a screenshot of a news story about this cool new mRNA vaccine that they're using to fight stage three and stage four melanomas. Oh, Um, cool. Yeah, it's in clinical trials right now in phase two. And it seems like mRNA vaccines are in the news. They're very now. They're very hot. (laughs) Very au courant. Um, thanks to COVID. And so, I don't know, I think maybe that has something to do with this one getting press. But it's really cool because, you know, it's messenger RNA vaccines. And they're finding that when they're developing these other vaccines for like seasonal flu and stuff like that, that some of the research is applicable to other diseases. And um, so this one, it is in collaboration with uh, Regeneron and Sanofi, which are two like pharma companies. But what they do basically is they inject the mRNA mixture into the tumors, their melanoma tumors, and the first the um, first phase of the trial was with twenty mice, and seventeen of the mice had complete regression of the cancer. Hmm. So three of them didn't, but still That's 17 great. out of 20 yeah. is pretty, pretty great. Good for you, mice. And so then after that, they combined the mRNA vaccine with what's called an anti-CTLA-4 or an anti-PD-1 checkpoint inhibitor. You may remember checkpoint inhibitors mm-hmm. from a mm-hmm. previous rats. If not, you should listen to every single episode of this podcast. Mm-hmm. It's not our job to educate you Ex- it, I about... Mean, it is. It is. My job. It's the job I've assigned myself. Okay, go but on. in any case, they um, are using this next step to strengthen the effects of the vaccine. And so that also helps with the tumor regression. I'm just going to put this whole article in the show notes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is from thehill.com which is typically a political site, but they also have some new stuff. So it was neat to read this story from a non-cancer site because usually you have to go digging for this kind of info. Mm -hmm. Phase two of the clinical trials is enrolling 120 people, and they're going to try to see how the vaccine and this other uh, checkpoint inhibitor work together in humans. Um, So I love it. Cool beans. Very Oh, why did I say I said cool beans? Oh, God. Do you ever do that? Do you ever like some phrase falls out of your mouth Mm -hmm. and you're like, ew, where did that come from? I used to say cool beans all the time when I was in like fourth grade. But that was a long time ago. You were a cool beans early adopter then. Mm -hmm. I know. But yeah, it's pretty cringy. It is. I 
take full responsibility for well thank you for your apology and thank you for that great rat. <laughs> um something i was remembering or you reminded me oh yes i was thinking about you know you bring up the mrna vaccines and all these idiots won't get them yeah yeah i was thinking we should do a video that's like us trying to get people to join our MLM. Yes. And that we can get them two free vaccines. And if they sign up, we'll be their coach. Right. Yeah. And that's what they get. And, you know, we can let them know that this product is so good that they have it at Walgreens, Rite Aid, places we normally would not think would have really fancy stuff. Exactly. But this product basically sells itself because it's that good that it doesn't even matter that it's not at like Nordstrom or somewhere a little bit more nice. Right, right. right. And I was kind of thinking like as a selling point too, we can guarantee people will be making money in the first month. If they sign up under us, we'll coach them. We'll help them find their first shot. We'll call them to remind them. We'll get there. their second one. They will be making money their first month. They can sign people up under them. Yes, their downline. To yes. Those people get their first two shots free. The way they make money. And I'm talking upwards of $8,000, $9,000, a month. A month. If they are a maybe like a lawyer or have their own business because they can go to work and earn that money. They other Other people might be making like you know, more like $2,000 a month, you know, or I, if you maybe are like a bartender and make tips, you know, yeah, in that first month, you're not calling in sick. You're going to work. I don't know how, how much, um, how much you average, average make. You might make $4,000. You might make, I don't know, but no guarantees just starting right to, away up, up to, to whatever you, your boss pays you just by not being sick. I think this has great potential. And you know what? I have already seen so much press yeah. about these shots. They're great. They really do sell themselves. I honestly have never felt healthier than in comparison to people with COVID. And <laughs> I have been lucky enough to have the vaccine and not have COVID. I can promise them. I feel healthier than those people with COVID just by not having it. I mean, here are the things that I enjoy by not having COVID. Um, walking up flights of stairs and not getting breathless. Totally. Um, I enjoy not being on a ventilator. Mm-hmm. That's something every day I enjoy that. Every day. You could have it too immediately when you sign up under us for yeah. this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also... We might throw in an, an additional free shot. We might throw throw in a booster. We're not sure yet. We're waiting to hear from management. <laughs> but that might be coming, so you're going to want to sign up soon. Right? Right. You are. Mm-hmm. Mm, this is a good bit. It's a good bit. <laughs> good one, Amy. Good one. Good one. <sighs> These are the things I think about when I'm driving around by myself. Saturday Night Live. <laughs> it's already been done. Here I am. <laughs> Don't call us. We'll call you. Someone can hire me to be a... Never mind. Saturday Night MLM. Live. Please do call you. 
<laughs> oh, you're thinking I could be on Saturday Night Live, and I'm just thinking I can join someone's real MLM to make money. Just kidding. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. How much do you love leggings, though? <laughs> <laughs> I actually quit a lot. Um, all right. Well, I guess that's an app. That is. And here we did it in real life. Yeah. It's so fun to hang out with you. I know. What if we got to do this all the time? Like, people who make podcasts just hang out and do this. I know. In the same room. When we have our commune. Um, listeners, have a wonderful week. We will be back. I hope you get all the good news that you're hoping for. Mm-hmm. May all your dreams come true. May you scream for screening in your hashtags. Please do. Of your posts. Yeah. Bye. Goodbye. Cancer for Breakfast is hosted by Amy Diles and Stephanie Lejeunesse and produced by Nathan McGeehee. Our theme music is written and performed by Vivivir. Find us at cancerforbreakfast.com, Instagram at cancerforbreakfast, and email at cancerforbreakfast at gmail.com. so much for listening thanks for listening